Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Some of us have been away at the church camp and we had a really wonderful time. Also good to be back to be with the church again. So folk, we've been doing this uh, new series um, and it will end next week uh, called A New Heart and All Things New. And so the first week I spoke about new heart for God and then we looked at a new heart for ministry new heart for church, and today I want to have a look at a new heart for neighbors, a new heart for neighbors. There's a story of a guy that was stranded on a desert island. He'd been there for years and finally saw a helicopter in the area. They built a fire and signaled the helicopter to land. The pilot gladly offered to take him off the island and said, go get the others and we can all leave together. The stranded guy said, you don't understand, this island is deserted except for me. Pilot inquired, well, what are those three huts over there for? The stranded guy replied, the first hut is my house. The other one beside it is where I go to church. And the pilot asked, what's the other hut for? And the guy said, that's where I used to go to church. Now, that sounds funny, but imagine not being able to get on with other people and not being able to get on with yourself. And uh, that's what happened in this particular case. And you cannot even get on with yourself, and people don't even uh, know that. And so one of the sad consequences that we live in this fast-paced society is that We don't develop proper relationships. Uh, We, uh, and I mean, I'm just thinking that sometimes somebody is in the house and the other, the kids are outside and we call them on the phone and say, hey, can you come inside, please? And I'm just saying, that's what I've heard. I'm not asking for confessions (laughs) because I obviously told you that story because that's what we often do confessing my sins here. But hey, you know, we often replace that mobile phone, sorry, relationships with that mobile phone, and we don't enter into these relationships. So everything is done on our phone, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad, but when the, when the phone begins to dictate how we have relationships, I think that can be extremely dangerous. And we live so much on the superficial level uh, that we begin to allow that to creep into our relationships. As a Christian, we should all know how to love. And we claim to follow a God of love. And when we begin to think of who this God is uh, and we want to serve him, the only way we'll be able to reach out to others is if we realize who God is and that he is a God of love. And I think it's important to realize that love is the genuine mark of Christianity. 
It's a mark of who we really are. And Christianity has been known to be a religion of love. You see, in other religions, people have to climb up the mountain to get to their God. But in Christianity, it's the only religion that God came from the top of the mountain down to us. Why? To love us. To love us. And he sent his only son. And so we need to be having caring relationships in the church where we can tolerate one another. And I'm not, uh, I don't have an agenda by preaching the sermon at all. It's just part of the series that, you know, if we cannot get on with one another inside the church, how will we get on with one another outside the church? Now, I'm not talking about greeting, hey, how are you going? You know, and then we don't give the other person a chance to to answer that question, but I'm talking about genuine relationships. The way we're able to love one another genuinely. And so Christianity is that kind of religion because people respond to genuine love. We live in a day and age where we ask people to believe in Jesus and then experience his love. But people will begin to see the love of Christ within us And then say, ah, there is something unique about you. What is it? And we're able to explain to them what has happened to us in our faith. And I believe a healthy spiritual life will be found uh, within the church community and then we'll be able to overflow and reach out to those we come into contact with. I have two simple points today. First one is love that moves inside the church. Love that moves inside the church. You see, God calls us to love one another. There are 13 one another commands. One of them is to love one another. And the Bible has a lot to say about love. And folk, I'm not talking about kind of, you know, the superficial love. God bless you. God bless me. God loves us all. No, I'm talking about a genuine love. A love uh, that moves away from egocentric self to wanting to please the other person. In 1 John 3.11, we read, this is a message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And that word love is the, uh, one of the four words for love. In fact, there's eight Greek words for love. Uh, three are found in the New Testament. This particular love, agapao, means to move away from egocentric self to wanting to please the other person. To welcome them into your life. Uh, welcome and give them time, if you like, to entertain them with all that you have is what this word means. And so, you know, to, to, to hold their hand, to love them dearly, to be fond of them. And sometimes that's not easy, but that's what we're called to do. John says again in verse 14 of the same chapter, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. There is something peculiar about a Christian We're weird. Why? Because we're able to love our brothers and sisters. That's why we call one another brother and sister. Why? Because we care for one another like a family. You see, the church is made up of families, clearly. And we are to represent the the world in the local church as we love one another in Uh, chapter 3, verse 16 of 1 John, it says this, this is how we know that what love is, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. 
we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That word lay down, tithimi, is a powerful word. It's not, oh, by mistake he got caught into a difficult position and he had to lay down his knife. No. That word actually means he set, put, and put it into place that he was able to lay down his life and set his life to service. It's almost got this picture of a bridge. For, for us to get to God, we had to climb over the bridge. And Jesus is that bridge. Jesus is that bridge. In fact, he, the name Jesus, Yeshua, in the Old Testament means bridge builder. He's the one uh, that laid down his life, not by mistake, but because of love. He laid down his life for you and I to get from our selfishness to God. And that was demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. And so Paul, uh, or John says it quite clearly, that, that uh, Jesus laid down his life. We are to lay down our lives as well. Now, uh, oh, we don't want to do that because, you know, people think that, you know, uh, we're going to become a doormat, so we don't do anything. No, we serve because Jesus gave us that example. In 1 John 3:18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. The word uh, actions there, ergon, uh, where we get uh, the English word ergonomics from, or something that moves, uh, something that is industrious, something that is, is working. It's not rusted, if you like, but it's working. And so how do we love? He says, with actions and with truth. In other words, with deeds. Don't say that you love me. Don't say that you love me. Demonstrate that you love me, is what this uh, verse is saying. And in truth, in, in moral truth, the truth that comes from the standard that is set out in the Bible, the standard that God has given us, the moral truth. And then we read in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus had been among them, and he was saying to them all the time, you, you know, that you're to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, he summed up the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, by saying, uh, this is a summary of that whole Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But now he gives a new commandment in John chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That word, a new commandment, Kenos means a fresh one, an unworn one, like a new one, uh, one that has been unused. And what is he saying here? Well, I remember uh, my parents, uh, if, if uh, they had to be away and they took us to our grandparents, they would say to us, don't fight. Don't fight because if I heard that you've been fighting, you won't have the opportunity to fight again. Because dead people can't fight. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was close. And so dad would say, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And so out of fear, we'd fight, but ask grandpa and grandma not to tell anybody. But now he's saying, that's an old commandment. The new commandment is not that you don't fight, but that you love one another. In other words, it's moving beyond not fighting to actually adding value to one another's lives. In other words, you've got lollies and you share them. 
What do you mean, share my lollies? What do you mean? Well, with that particular illustration, it's a new commandment. Not do unto others as you want them to do unto you, but actually share, move away from egocentric self to wanting to please the other person. So give of yourself to the other person. It's a new commandment, he's saying. And so back to the actual uh, details of, of this particular point. You see, healthy, loving relationships must be built within the church so they can overflow outside of the church. And sometimes we fail to, to actually do that here because uh, we, we live lives that are, are so busy, as I said earlier, but also because we don't really want to get to know one another. We don't want others to know kind of who we really are. So what we do is we rather have these superficial relationships. But God wants us to have relationships that are characterized by integrity, that we begin to learn and know who we are and actually serve one another, warts and all, warts and all. And we're quite scared uh, to allow people to get to know us. And folks, that's, that's extremely dangerous because when I'm struggling, then I need to tell you what I'm struggling with so you can pray for me effectively. I begin to share my heart with you. And you can begin to see that I'm not as normal as you think I am. But guess what? Neither are you. <laughs> so welcome to the club. It's called the church. In the local church, we are able to get to know one another. You see, like a earthly family, we cannot choose our family. We can choose to leave South Africa and fly to Australia where there's no family, hallelujah. But hey, we can't choose our family. Can't, so it is with the church. We cannot choose our spiritual family, but we can choose to get on with one another. To love uh, those who are VDPs, very draining people. To love them. And you can't nudge, that's you. No, it's you and I that can often uh, be, be uh, in difficult situations and, and all we want is somebody to care for us, somebody to hear our story, somebody to listen to us that we can begin to care for one another. You see, with our VDPs, very draining people, you need some EGR, extra grace is required. And this is where we begin to put that into practice in the local church. With some people who don't agree with us, with some people who irritate us. But you know what? This is where we can put it into practice. We're called to, to love one another to love our, our spiritual family just as we're supposed to love our earthly family. And that's why we read 1 John 3.16 again, that God is love and that Jesus laid down his life for us. Look, I couldn't fathom this. I couldn't fathom, you know, John 3.16, never mind 1 John 3.16, where for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, if somebody were to walk in here and, and, um, and I were to be the only person here with my son and they say to me, I either shoot you or my son, I'd say, take him. No, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, take me. Take me. I love him too much for you to take him. For God so loved the world that he sat back in his throne in heaven and did nothing. No, that's not what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved us so much that he was prepared to give 
the very being of who he was, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish. And Jesus demonstrated that love. In John 15, we read that while we were yet, sorry, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, no greater love is this that a man give his life for his friend. And so it's not because I've got a gun to my head that I, I'm prepared to give. No, it's because of that love that we have. And so that supreme example is the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is that um, supreme illustration of love by him giving his only begotten son. And that's why it's a new commandment, because we move away from self and tolerating one another to actually making an effort and actually blessing one another. And the word blessing means to add to one another. And so here we read about that, you know, that that's the key, that it, it was an old commandment to tolerate one another. Now we are to actually add value to one another's lives. And if we cannot do it in the local church, again, we're going to struggle. And so, how did he love us? Well, he demonstrated his love uh, uh, while we were yet sinners. And that word demonstrates, uh, sinistao, means he, he put it into place. He didn't say, I love you, I love you. No, he put it into place by uh, laying down his life for us. While we were yet bad news, Jesus saw you and he saw me and he died for us. In other words, he was able to, to demonstrate this love through good deeds, not only in attitude, but also in action. And so love is that truth that combines with that deed. Attitude, but also action. And that's important. You say to me, well, I'd love to be able to, to demonstrate this love. How do we do that? Well, let me give you three simple, quick points. Number one, we need to, uh, the way we, we think about one another, the way we think about one another. If I think that you're a rat bag the whole time and, and, and bad news, then I will treat you accordingly. But I need to change the way I think about you, that you're a, a creature of God, and, and that perhaps you're going through a hard time, and perhaps you know, uh, when, when you become better, then you'll be able to help me uh, and support me. And so uh, loving actions need to begin by the right way of thinking. In Romans 15, 7, uh, we read, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Accept, that word accept, uh, take one another as companions. Uh, Take somebody by the hand and lead them somewhere because perhaps they're not able to help themselves right now. And folk, I, I struggle with that. Let me confess. Because sometimes some people irritate us. And then I'm still love them and lead them. Lord, have mercy. You know? But if I think of my own life and how God helped me while I was bad news I was able to be taken by the hand by somebody and led to the right place. And so the way we think about one another, and folk, perhaps I need to change my attitude, the way you know, I think about some people. Secondly, the way we speak about one another. The, the, the Bible exhorts us over and over again to be encouragers, to encourage one another. 
That word encourage, parakaleo, means to come alongside one another, to put my shoulder under that other person's armpit, and to carry them along the way. And while I'm doing that, I'm speaking words of encouragement. I'm speaking fresh heart into somebody's life. Parakaleo. Remember in John chapter 14, Jesus was about to leave the disciples, and he says, don't worry, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to leave you the comforter or the counselor. And he calls that comforter, counselor, the parakletos. Parakletos, the one who will come parallel alongside you and will do exactly what I'm doing for you. The parakletos. This book is called a paraklesis, a book of encouragement, a book of encouragement. By this paraklesis, we have the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, where we can parakaleo, encourage one another. In other words, to sum it up, the way God has given us his Holy Spirit and the Bible, we're able to speak fresh heart into the lives of people. So not only the way we think, but the way we speak the way we speak. And folk, everybody loves an encourager. Encouraging people are attractive, even if they are not so attractive. They're attractive, why? Because the words that they speak are very attractive. They are life-giving. People who are not so encouraging, you know, and, and are backbiters and are, are kind of back are sharp-tongued, you don't want to go near those people. You see them on the one side of the road and you go the opposite direction. But everybody loves an encourager. But also, not only the way we, we think, the way we speak, but the way we act toward one another. Don Francisco sings that song uh, and he says, love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. In other words, don't tell me words, show me the action. Show me the action. Show me the action. And we need to be proactive in our love to get to know one another better. Here's a challenge. Speak to somebody that you don't really know. Tell them your name and try and remember their name. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. And make an effort to actually remember their name takes a little bit of energy and a bit of time to get to know there, but say, hey, I'll be praying for you this week. And you see them next week and say, I've been praying for you this week. It's an effort. We begin to, to care for one another in the local church. You say to me, well, I'll begin in February. Hey, delay is decay. Delay is decay. The quicker we started, the better it is, because that's how we live lives that are pleasing to God. starts in the local church. Point number one, love begins inside the church. Point number two, love that moves outside the church. We're taught to love one another. We're taught to, to, to uh, allow this love to overflow into other people's lives. And when the world sees that we can love one another, so they will be attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folk, how do I love my neighbor how do I reach out to my neighbor? Well, I get to know them. I get to know them. 
It's hard for me to come and visit your neighbor because I don't know them. I don't have a relationship with them. But you know your neighbor. And guess what? If you didn't know, they're watching you all the time. They're watching you all the time. And when you put a foot wrong, they'll remind you about that. But when you love them, they'll be attracted to that. I remember I was a television producer back in South Africa for the National Broadcaster, and I had a program called Quest, um, Seeking the Truth. And what it was, it was a counseling program. And at the end of that program, we'd put a mobile number up, and it was done in such a way that when people phoned, uh, we were able to take that call uh, from all over South Africa, and we're able to get in touch with a counsellor near where that person lived. And that counsellor was able to uh, call them and follow up with them. And it was amazing because it was called Quest, People Who Care. People Who Care. And as people phoned in, we're able to take the details down and get a counsellor in their area all over the country to call them. And it was such a powerful ministry because people were on the other side of the line and were able to care for them. And folk, the whole idea here was that you would just listen to their story. I remember doing a counseling course, and at the last lecture, the lecturer summed it up and he said, the three most important points in caring for somebody, number one, listen, number two, listen, and number three, listen. I'll never forget that because we live such busy lives that we don't even take the time to listen to those we come into contact with. And so the challenge here is to ask, are people important to you? People who are saved, are they important inside the church? But those who are not saved, are they important? Because if they're not really important and they they can go to hell, well, then we won't really care. But if we do think that their lives are important, we will begin to care. Let me end off by giving you just a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. You know it so well. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is a command that's given to those, uh, all of us, it's not just for some weirdos, to all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a command just before Jesus ascended back to the Father. He died. He rose again, spent 40 days among uh, the people, and just before he ascended, he gave this command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Terrible translation. It actually, in the Greek, it says, while you are going. In other words... If you believe in the, Jesus, in the Lord Jesus Christ, while you're going and following him, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How on earth do I go and tell people, well, Jesus is with you. He's given you the paraklitos. He's given you the paraklesis. And you're able to encourage those by telling them your story. Telling them your story. What story is it? That he came and touched my heart and changed me. He changed me. I was bad news and now I uh, do my best to become good news.
Romans 10.13, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word calls, epikaleome, to cry out, to call, to, to say to them, hey, there is something that's called good news. His name is Jesus. And folk, that word there, um, kaleome, means to, to invite somebody over. But this word here, epikaleome, it actually means to take on their name. Wow. What is, uh, what is Paul trying to say to us? Well, everybody who calls on the name of Jesus, who takes on his identity, will be saved. Now, I don't want to become politically incorrect, but let me just explain to you what happened uh, in our family. Uh, we had the option when we got married to, to stay our own separate surnames, and that's uh, quite legal, uh, or uh, I can uh, take on Maria's surname, you know, and we can have a double-barrel surname, so it could be uh, Peter, Christophides, Haji Zakaria. Uh, but the page, you know, they went in our blocks. No. Um, and, and so because of our culture, Maria decided to take on my surname, Maria Christophides. Well, when you become a Christian, you begin to take on the identity of the one that you love and the one that loves you. And it's something extremely intimate because there is exchange of blood, what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And that's what uh, Paul is saying here. Anyone who calls on the name will be saved, the name of Jesus. Why? You take on his identity. My name is Peter, follower of Jesus. I take on his identity. But there's something interesting that Paul carries on and says, but before people can ask, for the Lord for help, they must believe in him. Before they can believe in him, they must hear about him, that verse says. And the word here, akuo, means, listen, they need to, you know, acoustics, they need to hear the name of Jesus and understand, and then they will be able to respond. And he carries on and says, and for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. The word tell them there, kiriso, means must kind of give the news to them. The news about who Jesus Christ is. The Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament has come. His name is Jesus. And so somebody has to tell somebody else so they can accord, so they can hear it and understand and inquire about him. And beautifully, we read in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We all know that. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. That word reconciled, katalahi. Uh, he is exchanged us from being bad news and making us good news. There's an adjustment. Before we were ex-Christ, outside, ex, exit, outside of Christ. Now we are in Christ. And now that we are in Christ, we have been reconciled. But it doesn't stop there because he says, now that you have been reconciled, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, what you've experienced, go and tell others. Go and tell your story to somebody else that you've been reconciled back to him. And tell them your story that you are now uh, Peter, the follower of Christ. That's your identity. 
Tell them so they can hear it. Reconciled what? You've been reconciled back to God. And because of that, you're reconciled back to people. And also reconciled to nature. You begin to see creation in a different perspective. You're not there to just reap as much as you possibly can, but because God uh, has created that. And so we begin to tell people of his mercy and his grace. Mercy, God withholding what we deserve. In other words, we bad news and we need to go to a lost eternity. But God withholds that from us. But he goes further and gives us his grace, giving us what we don't deserve. And so that whole point there can be shared with those we come into contact with. And folk, this message is a living message. And as we begin to put it into practice... So we're able to uh, allow people to come and see who Jesus Christ is. Let me say this before I give you a final story. People are the heartbeat of God. People are the heartbeat of God. What kind of people? Well, people only like you and I, clearly. No. People from every tribe, kindred, and nation. If you don't like people now, even people within the church, you're going to struggle in heaven. That's not a prophecy. (laughs) That's a fact. (laughs) Why? Because in heaven, there'll be people from every tribe, kindred, and nation. And we'll all be singing the same song together. And it'll be a song of praise and adoration and saying that Jesus is great and we'll be making his name famous. So you can begin to tell people that story of who God is. And we won't share our story if we don't really care. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. But if Christ has changed your life, you'll want to tell people you come into contact with. We live in a very philosophical age. We're able to explain things away. Let me end off by telling you the story about a man who fell in a pit and couldn't get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think that you're in the pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall in the pit. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story on him falling in the pit. Fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. Confucius said, if you would have listened to me, you would not be in that pit. Buddha said, your pit is only a state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. A scientist calculated the pressure necessary to get him out of the pit. A geologist told him to appreciate the rock strata and the rock face in the pit. An evolutionist said, you are a rejected mutant destined to be removed from the evolutionary cycle. In other words, he's going to die in the pit so that he cannot produce any pit-falling offspring. Building inspector asked if he had a permit to dig a pit. The tax office assessor came along and figured the taxes he owed on the pit. Professor gave him a lecture on the elementary principles of the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of his pit altogether. Self-pitting person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A health and wealth preacher said, just confess that you're not in a pit. 
An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. May we not philosophize, may we not carry on explaining all these things, but may we see the opportunity that God has brought before us because we are people who care, care enough to be able to help that person in their distress, but not leave them there and help them out of the pit, whatever pit they find themselves in, by showing the love of God to them. Let's begin in the local church. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you took us while we were yet sinners and you allowed us to be called your children. Lord, you allowed us to call you Father. No matter how bad we were, Lord, there is no sin big enough that you could not forgive. There is no sin bad enough, Lord, that you could not forgive. Lord, help us to realize this and to put into practice your love. A love that moved from egocentric self to putting your son on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us and help us to do the same to those who come into contact. Not by might, Lord, nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.